Welcome to the Explore with Visit Bradford podcast, helping you discover everything Bradford and District has to offer. Whether you're after incredible history, entertainment, the great outdoors, shopping opportunities, luxury dining or fantastic museums, this part of West Yorkshire has something for you. I'm John Foster, and today we're discovering the city of Bradford itself. In this episode, we'll hit the stage at the Alhambra Theatre, taste an authentic Bradford curry, and visit some hidden Victorian tunnels right underneath the city. We're on the edge of the Pennines here, with Leeds to the east and Lancashire to the west. It's easy to get here. Bradford does have its very own motorway, the M606, which joins the M62 at Junction 26, bringing you into the outskirts of the city. It also has two train stations, Bradford Foster Square, from which northern trains travel to Skipton, Ilkley and Leeds, while Bradford Interchange lays claim to routes from Leeds, York and Halifax, plus Grand Central traffic to and from London King's Cross. The interchange also hosts the city's coach and bus stations. Now at the moment I'm in Centenary Square, right in the heart of the city. And as I look, we have the Grade 1 listed Bradford City Hall just in front of us. The Norfolk Gardens on one side and the Alhambra National Science and Media Museum and the 1930s Art Deco Bradford Odeon all surrounding us. Tricia Tillotson is the Visitor and Business Development Manager for Bradford City Council. Tricia, what makes Bradford such a great place to visit then? Bradford is steeped in heritage, it's brimming with culture. It was the first UNESCO city of film. It's also home to Saltaire UNESCO World Heritage Site. We boast a number of world-class visitor attractions, including the National Science and Media Museum. Bradford is the official Kerry capital of Britain, having won it six times. And here we are in City Park, and to the side of City Hall, you can see the largest urban water feature in the UK. It can be cool, tranquil and misty, or it can be a bubbling, squirting, popping and splashing fountain display a beautifully lit display or a thunderous 100-foot water cannon. It's a very popular space in summer and the pool becomes a great big paddling pool, which the children absolutely love. The other thing that strikes me about Bradford is the architecture as well, because it is absolutely stunning. And we spend our time looking down in this society, but if we just look up, we'd see some amazing sights in the city. Yeah, as you walk around Bradford city centre especially, so whether you're looking at City Hall, you're in Little Germany, you're by St George's Hall, um, the Wool Exchange is a fantastic building, well worth a visit in there to look at how it was. Um, and City Hall, just across from where we stood now in City Park, is one of the most distinctive buildings um, and it was designed to rival the new town halls of Leeds and Halifax. And as you can see, it worked. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, the clock tower opened in 1873. And as you say, if you look up, the statues that are sat around City Hall, there's 35 of them, and they're all kings and queens of England. So well worth a look around. Very, very imposing. So lots to see and do. How many visitors come into the Bradford district? Bradford has over 12 million visitor trips a year. It accounts for 2.25 million bed nights. And what's really good is 74% of visitors said they would revisit Bradford and 96% say they would definitely recommend a visit to their family and friends to come to Bradford District. And looking around, Bradford obviously has a remarkable past. Quick potted history of the city. Well, Bradford was known as Broadford and it was first settled in Saxon times. It was a small rural market at that point and it had around 16,000 people. Wool spinning and cloth weaving was carried out in local cottages and at farms. 
Then we had the industrial growth in the 19th century, and by 1841, two-thirds of the country's wool production was processed in Bradford, which led for us to become the wool capital of the world. And you mentioned about um, UNESCO. That's very important, the world's first UNESCO city of film. And people will remember films like Billy Liar, of course, uh, with Tom Courtney, which was filmed in and around the city. That's incredibly important to, the, uh, to, to Bradford. Yeah, Bradford was the world's first UNESCO city of film. And this recognition showcases Bradford as a world-class centre for film. We're really proud of this. And there are many opportunities in Bradford to learn about film and filmmaking. We're also recognised within the film industry for having a film-friendly approach with over 30 films for cinema and television shot here. The King's Speech, Peaky Blinders, which is still filmed in and around Little Germany. Room at the Top was filmed at the Midland Hotel. The famous Railway Children film up in Haworth. More recently, we have The Official Secrets, starring Kira Knightley. And only a couple of months ago, Helen Mirren was filming in City Hall and around the district for her new movie, The Duke. And if there was one thing that you said I had to do while I was here in Bradford, I know this is difficult, what would it be? What would be the one thing? You would have to see the culture and the heritage. And I can't put that down to one thing. There is so much to see. As I've said, there's the National Science and Media Museum. There's Impressions Gallery. We have the David Hockney exhibition at Cartwright Hall. Our beautiful cathedral, the Peace Museum, Bolling Hall, the Industrial Museum. And then have a curry while you're in Bradford. And then you need to head out to Saltaire to see the Hockney collection in Salts Mill the spa town of Ilkley to see the cow and calf and have afternoon tea at Betty's, or Haworth, which is obviously home to the Bronte sisters and Keithley Worth Valley Railway Station. So much to do. Thank you, Tricia. Let's head off around the city now, starting with a walk amongst some amazing architecture. Now, we've left City Park and walked past the Broadway Shopping Centre and Bradford Cathedral to an area that's known as Little Germany. Formerly warehouses that date back to 1855, merchants, primarily from Germany, used to store their wares here, hence the name Little Germany. Over the last couple of years, the area is undergoing a renaissance, with more businesses coming into this part of the area and also luxury flats and apartments. For those of you with a good memory, you may remember a programme called Secret Army on the BBC. That was partly filmed here in Little Germany, and more recently, Gentleman Jack used its streets. At the junction of Peckover Street and Chapel Street, you'll see Grandad's clock and chair. Now, this is an interpretation of a mill owner's office with a comfortable chair, mirror, and also grandfather clock. The work looks back to the past, but the swinging pendulum of the clock indicates that time does not stand still, and the past has an important contribution to make to the future. Timothy Shutter was commissioned by Bradford Council and the Little Germany Action Group in 1991, after his design won a sculpture competition. And just opposite is also the David Hockney mural, which was completed in 2017 to mark Hockney's 80th birthday. It's the world's first sculpture made out of painted nails. It's 16 feet high, 12 feet wide, and around a quarter of a million nails make up the artist's portrait and were hammered into the base of a lacquered marine plywood and fixed onto the wall. One of the other attractions of Little Germany is the Bradford Playhouse, formerly called the Priestley, after the playwright and author J.B. Priestley, who was president of the theatre until his death in 1984. There's a mural on the back of the Bradford Playhouse in Little Germany that commemorates the centenary of the founding of the Independent Labour Party in Bradford back in 1893. We're now on Hallings in Bradford city centre, so let's check out the other entertainment offerings in the city. Starting with St George's Hall, and let's talk to the Deputy General Manager, Laura Wood. So, Laura, 
Tell us a little bit about this amazing venue right in the centre of Bradford. Right, well, it's, it was um, originally opened in 1853. Um, the architects were uh, local architects, Lockwood and Mawson. Um, and it was a big project. It's the first um, civic building in Bradford. It's an absolutely beautiful building. It was built in the Italianate style, so it's very ornate. It's got lovely carvings on the outside, lovely Doric columns. Um, and it, it's a, a really lovely, imposing building. Um, and it was built to welcome everyone in Bradford of all classes um, to come and be educated, to hear speakers, to listen to music. And although everyone was welcome, they were very much segregated. So the great and the good would come in through this lovely entrance that we're here at, standing in now through the main front doors and they'd be ushered into the stalls area and into the dress circle where they had tea rooms, coffee rooms and the poorer people would be shunted around the back to a back corridor and um, up into the top of the theatre um, and they would be welcome but they would never meet. And that was commented on when it was opened that it was um, very well designed for the time because the classes would never meet on the stairs. Um, I'm pleased to say that we have rearranged it and readjusted it now. Everybody's welcome to mingle in every area of the theatre. Um, it is absolutely beautiful, um, and we're going to go through into the auditorium in a minute. We were close to three years for refurbishment, um, and the doors behind me, the three original entrance doors, were reopened as part of that project. Just above you, if you look up, there's a beautiful mirrored ceiling, and that's because where we're standing would originally have been at double height, and it's to give that impression of, of height to the room obviously it is still quite high but it would have been much higher originally and a staircase led up to the stalls um, that was taken out in the 1980s to allow uh, wheelchair access into the venue couldn't reinstate it however we, we've created the sense of space and the sense of occasion that you would have had coming into this beautiful building well let's make our way to the auditorium and on the way there's lots of posters of people who've played here before since the refurbishment so there's Sir Ken Dodd there's Peter Kay uh, Sir Lenny Henry and wow so here we are on the stage at St George's Hall looking out into the row of um, seats where the audience would sit. What an amazing, amazing space. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful and the acoustic is stunning in here. It was actually built for the acoustic. It's a rectangular shaped room um, and it's built like a speaker um, and it, it was commented right from when it first opened how wonderful it was um, for acoustics. So it's been fantastic for spoken word. Dickens spoke here. He performed the Christmas Carol here for a week um, and he commented himself, and it's in his letters, that the acoustic in here was fantastic for spoken word. It was also brilliant for orchestras. The Halley Orchestra performed here right from when they were first touring. So it's a fantastic space. Just looking um, when I came into the building, there's a blue plaque on the side of some of the people who've played here. And it literally is a who's who right from day one to present day. Just tell us about some of the people who've stood on the stage here. Oh, there's an immense list and it's just far too many to, to mention, but a few highlights. We have Adela Pankhurst, the suffragette spoke here. Um, we've had um, political figures such as Churchill, Eden, um, all sorts of people, com comedians, a vast array of comedians. You mentioned some of the posters that we have in the bar um, and some of the biggest rock and pop bands in the world. So Queen, Genesis, before they did their recent ar ar arena tour, they performed here in the 70s. Um, David Bowie performed here three times. 
all the big bands have performed here in the 70s, 80s, 90s. And there was also a vast history of jazz um, and, and things like that through, through very early works. And we're uncovering some of the histories as well, the secret histories, things that people didn't know about. So things like the Fist Jubilee Singers um, performed here. Sella Martin, who was a, a very famous anti-abolitionist, came and spoke here. There's an absolutely vast array of wonderful history um, that's contained in this building. And we're uncovering it as we discover more. And um, we, we encourage people to come and experience that through our heritage tours. In fact, it's, it's one of the, if not the oldest concert hall still in use in the UK today. It's, it's certainly one of the most, uh, uh, the oldest purpose built in, in Europe. And we're not quite sure if it's absolutely the oldest, but it is certainly one of them. Um, and it's also um, a renowned acoustic throughout Europe. Um, people who perform here um, often comment on it. And certainly the classical orchestras and musicians um, comment on what a beautiful sound it is. So 1,200 seats in here, and I dare say, and you've been here when it's been packed to the rafters, it must be an amazing atmosphere in here. Oh, the atmosphere is just incredible. It's a very different space for different events. So when Bastille were here, the whole stalls were jumping, bouncing with people, um, and it was just a really exciting electric atmosphere. And yet you can have a single pianist on stage and it can be electric with the concentration um, and listening to that that single performer. It's a, it's a really, really varied programme um, and the space just lends itself to all these lovely events. Thanks, Laura. This is the Explore with Visit Bradford podcast with me, John Foster. Now let's go and have a look at Bradford's other theatre. So we've had a short walk and I can still see St George's Hall over there, but we're now in the Alhambra, uh, Laura, and what a very striking building this is as you approach it. Yeah, it's a beautiful, another beautiful theatre. We're very lucky in Bradford to have these stunning venues. Um, and this one is a little bit um, more recent. It was built in uh, 1914, so we've recently um, celebrated 100 years. Um, but it had a major refurb in the 1980s, so um, it's got these very iconic glass-fronted foyer areas that were added in the the 1980s um, and it's, it's really stood the test of time our refurbishment that we had then um, the spaces are absolutely beautiful there's lovely big circulation spaces bars restaurants at this gorgeous theatre and a little bit later we're going to go into the auditorium which is stunning and one of the most beautiful auditoria that you'll see anywhere in the world I think <laughs> so people might say so what's the difference between St George's Concert Hall and the Alhambra they're both theatres but there is a very very distinct difference. There is. Um, St George's is a concert hall. It was built for that purpose, for concerts, for spoken word, for music to be presented. Uh, the Alhambra is a theatre, traditional theatre with a proscenium arch, which means that it's got a frame round the stage and it also has a fly tower, which St George's Hall does not have. So modern shows, big, large-scale shows, a lot of their, th their scenery is flown in, it goes up into the fly tower and then it flies back down onto stage when it's needed and in and out. The Alhambra is great for lyric theatre, big musicals, our pantomime, dance shows where you've got bits of scenery coming in and it's also a very big huge wide stage with lovely big wing spaces um, but it's a very different beast basically. So on stage here at the Alhambra and you know you sort of like talked a little bit about it when we were down in the foyer but now when you get on stage how high that fly tower is, how big but then again, from this perspective, how small the auditorium is because it's it's virtually on top of the performers on the stage. I mean, it's it's the artwork 
and the craftsmanship that's gone into it is quite stunning. Yes, it's a really, really beautiful, beautiful auditorium. We get often get asked, is it a matchum? It's not a matchum. Um, it was a local architect firm, Chadwick and Watson, who designed the theatre. But it does look that it's like classic theatre, red velvet seats, ornate, gold gilding, lovely um, uh, oil paintings. And it's a stunning ceiling. We've got chandeliers. It's a, a very special venue. And we stood here on stage. It's one of the biggest stages in the country, which enables us to take these wonderful, big shows um, and above us this huge cavernous fly tower um, it really is quite an experience to stand here and feel the difference between the performance space and then looking out into that jewel of an auditorium where people sit it's stunning and even the most hardened of actors actresses performers before they actually come on stage here to perform they walk on they must get blown away by just the sheer scale of this place Yes, I think, well, most of the shows that we have are touring the country and they are performing in the biggest and most beautiful theatres in the whole of the UK. And yet we still get lots of comments how wonderful our theatre is and people love returning here. A lot of the performers do come back and uh, you know they remember the place very fondly. They love the place as much as we do. And one of the highlights of the, uh, undoubtedly for any theatre, is Panto and one performer in particular who just keeps getting drawn back here. Yes, he's local, but he loves the place. Yes, Billy Pierce, who's our extra member of staff who comes back every Christmas. He's a member of the family um, and he's absolutely loved in Bradford. Um, I've seen a lot of pantos. We go and see other, other theatres pantos. And I have to say, he is the panto king. He is one of the best panto performers in the world. He's just amazing. Well, that's absolutely fantastic. So from the stage of the Alhambra, and after you've caught a fantastic show here in Bradford, of course, you're going to need some sustenance. And of course, Bradford does deliver. It is the curry capital of Britain, after all. So here we are now at My Lahore with owner Asghar Ali, and Bradford is known as the, the curry capital of Britain. How did that come about? When the textile mills closed, a lot of the people that worked in the textile mills decided to take on other jobs, and a lot of them went into the restaurant business. So many from the Kashmiri region of Pakistan opened a few restaurants that did really well, and then before you know it, there was an influx of loads of restaurants that opened and uh, all serving very good curry and over the years the reputation just built up and built up and built up and it just got to a point whereby if you wanted a good curry Bradford was the place to come. And my Lahore and, and your business actually started here in Bradford as well? It did. So I used to work for my father's restaurant many years before then in terms of these curry houses that we're talking about. And then I went away to university and realised that nobody in other cities did a curry as good as they do in Bradford. So I came back with this ambition that I'm going to take the Bradford curry to these other cities. So that's how the Myla Hall originated in terms of the ambition was to take the Bradford curry to other parts of the country. And it's gone down really well. <laughs> it has. It has, as I thought it would do. Uh, wherever we've opened in Manchester, Leeds, Birmingham, now London, people are absolutely loving the Bradford curry. How many curry houses are there in Bradford, do you think? I couldn't give you an exact number, but I'd say there's probably more than three to four hundred. And it's bringing money into the city, it's bringing money into the district as well, so it's making it a destination. It certainly is, and on top of that, it's employing a lot of people as well, keeping people in jobs. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, when the textile industry closed down, people were out of jobs, so they were quite entrepreneurial and took on these new roles by being enterprising and it's just gone from strength to strength with that. So it's an industry within itself within Bradford now. 
And if I was to get the ultimate curry, you know, coming along to a, to a curry house here in Bradford, if I was going to sit down and get the ultimate Bradford curry, what would I need to order? Well, back in the days, the curry to have was apparently the chicken vindaloo. The hotter it is, the better it was. But I'd say in this day and age, it's more about taste. So you've got curries like chicken tikka masala, or a very popular one that we've got on the menu now is a chicken achari, which has got pickle mixed in with the curry, which gives it an extra kick, which is going down really well. And as we said, it is making Bradford a real destination. And you're getting people not only from the district, but from Yorkshire and from further afield coming specially to Bradford to sample the curry. They are doing. Um, as I said, it's built up a reputation over the years. And the interesting thing is, when we open in other cities, people knowing that we're a restaurant from Bradford, it gives us that extra kudos. And your restaurant is by royal appointment as well? Absolutely. Recently, um, we had uh, Prince William and Kate Middleton visit us. Uh, not only did they make some milkshakes, but they stayed and had some curries as well. And their passing comments were, we absolutely love curry and we definitely love the Bradford curry. So it's fantastic. Following on from our curry initiation at Myler Hall, we head to Sunbridge Wells. Now, this is an underground retail complex built into extraordinary old Victorian tunnels. You can access them from City Park and also from Sunbridge Road. And the imposing Sunbridge Wells, welcome to the world of pure imagination, greet you as you start your descent into the tunnels. Uh, Rich Kendrick is from the Bear's Den here at Sunbridge Wells. You've been here a little while now, and it's an amazing place. Yeah, we're really lucky to be a part of it, actually. Um, the Sunbridge community, as we like to call it, we're all now independent retailers. Each one of the units operating their own business, but then we all still work together, pull together and, uh, and try and work as a bit of a team as well. So tell us a little bit more about Bear's Den. Uh, well, Bears Den, we have a sister company called Bears Pantry, um, doing events, catering, weddings, hospitality, product launches, uh, and I used to work for them. And then we saw this opportunity here in our local Bradford and thought it was too good of an opportunity to miss. So we specialise here in doing uh, food specifically for pre-theatre, although everyone's allowed to come, um, and Food here is served to the table, um, so we do a lot of sharing food. Um, as a result, we get people, a lot of people on dates, the food is quite tactile, uh, and we encourage people to use this as the social bit before they go to the theatre, which is just across the road. Now, as you said, it's much more than businesses being in competition with each other. It's a real community spirit in Sunbridge Wells. What are some of the other offerings that are here? Next door to me, you've got uh, the guys in the Rose and Crown. They are run by Nomadic Brewery from Leeds. This is their tap room. So they deliver the hand pull and cask ale side of things, as well as having a full range of beers on a full bar. Um, downstairs from here, you've got Hotspox Pizza Company, wood-fired pizzas. Um, they also have the Beccaro, which is a meat-free kitchen. You've got Waller's Brewery Bar, which is like the, the general sort of meeting point for a lot of people across Badford, part of the run. Um, upstairs from that, you've got the Visage Pop Bar, delivering all your cheesy hits. Uh, and then the guys in the hideout for more of an authentic club night. So there's still a lot going on around here, but what it's doing all the time is it's adding to the offering that Bradford has in terms of food, drink, also entertainment too. 
Yeah, we'd like to think that we could maybe encourage people to enjoy all of Sunbridge Wells on a night out. You can get something to eat. There's a little bit of something to have for you know, what, what kind of night you want out. The guys right below me in the gin bar, uh, they deliver one of Yorkshire's biggest ranges of gins, for example. So if you wanted to sit in there and have a more of a quiet night, then that's an option too. And I dare say people, when they come into Sunbridge Wells, I didn't know this was here. This is amazing. Yeah, we're often classed as being one of Bradford's hidden gems, which is not the best business model, to be honest with you. However, our regular customers and the people that keep coming back to us, um, they do seem to enjoy that we are, you know, we, we quite like that you have to find us uh, because we find that a lot of people, once they do, they keep coming back. Thanks, Rich. We're now joined by Graham Hall. He's the man behind Sunbridge Wells. Graham, how on earth did you even know that this was here? 2006, I was walking past the door and the door happened to be a jar. So I thought, well, I can't resist going to have a look and go in. So all I had was my mobile phone and using the flash, taking photographs as I was moving on to see where I was going, to sort of put the idea together and it all came along and I found a load of investors and uh, got it all together and then an architect and then drew it, which took a week just to draw the building, just measuring it to draw it and uh, then we sort of just moved on from there three and a half years later we expanded and expanded the you know the purchases of all the other buildings so it just got bigger and bigger and bigger until we eventually got here longer than three years a lot of blood sweat and tears to come to something which is now rapidly becoming a destination for people coming to Bradford to go to Sunbridge Wells and have a look in the tunnels. Yeah, well, it's, it's definitely different. There's, I don't think there's anything like this anywhere else. The whole idea of the place is that it's, it, you've got all these different bars in diff, all with different themes, so you can just move from one to another, so it doesn't matter if it's raining outside, snowing. You know, there's no taxis to get. You just move around and, and do what you want. Once you're in, you're in. You're in. <laughs> But as we said to uh, Rich, it's adding to what Bradford can offer as a destination for people to come into the city. Yeah, well, Bradford's got a lot to offer. If you, I mean, a lot of people walk around and they just look at the, the floor, don't they? They don't look up and look at all that beautiful architecture. We've got more listed buildings in Bradford than Bath. You know, we've got five and a half thousand listed buildings in Bradford. People just don't look up, do they? On the way in... In the entrance uh, and walking down that main tunnel, there's a lot of pictures of pop stars and various groups, some Bradford, some from outside. This place has got actually a very checkered history in entertainment, hasn't it? And uh, clubs and various bands that have played here? Well, in in 64, um, there's a guy called Paul Mountain that used to run a successful club in Halifax called The Plebs, and they were looking for a new venue. Um, in Bradford, ideally a cellar. So they took a long lease on, on the tunnel with a quick whitewash. Um, they just did all the walls, but all famous bands like The Pretty Things opened this in August 14, 64. You've had bands like The Moody Blues played here. They were paid £55 just for one night, um, which was quite a lot in 64. Rod Stewart played here. Kiki D was reported late. 15-year-old Dorlas, you know, taking the coats, Georgie Firm, uh, and actually there was a bar at the top called the Cellar Bar uh, where the Beatles did an after-hours gig in 65 after they played at the Gorman, and I believe it was John Lennon's birthday, that's all I've been told, but it was just 
been blessed to be, apparently. Thank you, Graeme, for chatting to us. And as you've heard, there is so much to see and do. Now, we're going to be returning in a future episode to sample some more that the City of Bradford has to offer. Thanks for listening to the Explore with Visit Bradford podcast. In the next episode, we'll be exploring the village of Haworth, home to the Bronte sisters. To get more information on this remarkable part of West Yorkshire, head to visitbradford.com. Until next time, from the tunnels here at Sunbridge Wells, goodbye.